You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.vin. Well, morning, guys. Uh, For those of you back in the room um, and those of you that are new, my name's James, and along with Victoria, my wife, we have the privilege and the pleasure of of, uh, leading this particular site. And we're starting a new series this morning in the book of Psalms. Um, Songs, eh? Poems and songs and lyrics. Are you ready for a wee quiz? Are you ready? Do you think you can um, recognize this? You've got to shout. You've got to get interactive this morning, okay? What song's this? Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? <laughs> I can see that we're going to get people serenading. Hey, Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. Here's a good one. This is going to test you. Coming out of my cage. Ah, who's that by? A band called The Killers. Hello, darkness, my old friend. (laughs) You're already going, don't sing them. Don't sing them, James. Just say them. This is going to test some people. Now, this is the story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yes, some of you are like, yep, brilliant. At first I was afraid. I was, there you go. Kept on thinking I could never live without you by my side. <laughs> it's like karaoke morning, isn't it? <laughs> I've, always tr- I've always wanted to be in the band. They won't let me. <laughs> I wonder why. Don't you worry, don't you worry, child. See, heaven's got a plan for you. Come on. No? Swedish House Mafia, 2012. They've done a great funked up version of that song. Songs, eh? So we love the the music. We love the lyrics. And we're going to get into the Psalms. And and one of the reasons why we're, we're starting this new series is because like a lot of songs, they express the full spectrum of experience. The wins, the losses, the successes, the defeats, the grief, the joy, the betrayal and loyalty of friendships, and the threats of foes. We need a good song to lift us, don't we? To lift our spirits and to lift our eyes beyond often that which can be quite consuming and right in front of us. A great song, a great psalm does just that. Lift up your eyes, where does my help come from? Yeah? Yeah? brilliant grounding uh, lyrics and loads of them were written by David probably seen as the greatest king of Israel but also you know he is a man with lots of faults Um, and so right at the core of these songs is a hunger for some reality as well even though we can put Uh, some of the Bible characters on a pedestal and there's some things about David's life that are extraordinary aren't they you know amazing faith but also some crashes and some moments 
where God used him amazingly and then he made poor decisions. The highs of defeating Goliath to the lowest of lows, orchestrating the death of a man so he could have his wife. I mean, and yet the Bible says here is a man who was after God's own heart. And so what happens and what we see in the Psalms is a reflection of moments of great success and, and wins and, and God be praised. And also moments of lows where it's like, oh my word, Lord, take not thy spirit from me because I now realize what I've done. And so these songs take us through these moments of repentance and realization. And here's the man that has to live with the decisions that he's made, but God is still for him. It's good, isn't it? And so as we go through, we're going to be, we're not going to do all of them. I mean, if you did like even Psalm 119, it's got like 127 verses. I mean, if we did them all, we'd be here literally for like years. So we're just going to drop in on a bunch of them. Okay. But it might be worth, you know, in your own readings, just to pick up the Psalms. I know that lots of you read a Psalm and then maybe a New Testament passage in your, in your own kind of time together with the Lord. Hey, it might be worth just kind of cruising through those Psalms in this next season. Okay. Because they, they do the highs, but they also do the realities. And so why not start in Psalm 1? So that's where we're going to start today. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, we're going to read it in a minute. And what you're going to see is that actually you're going to look at Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are like the prefix to the book or to the collection of songs. And and, 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 and these two Psalms have no name attached to them because lots of them have David or somebody else as name attached to them. But these particular two, uh, there's no name uh, attributed against uh, them. And it's probably because they were written at a later time, and I'll talk about that in a second, and then put here because it's like the sort of, not the table of contents, but it's basically saying, hey, this is what a blessed life looks like. And then the, the second psalm is, let me tell you about the blessed one that can give you a blessed life. It's really interesting. And so there's something very prophetic about these two psalms as, and the opening. Um, they, 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 they talk about the how of life and what a blessed life looks like. And then the second one talks actually prophetically about Jesus, the blessed one, the son who's going to come and give us a new way of life. So why don't we kick off and let's read um, this psalm together. You might want to, if you're at home and watching this, you might even want to read it out loud. There's something beautiful about reading lyrics out loud. Um, that it just does something fresh in us. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners Take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, but not so with the wicked, for they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Blessed is the one. 
This is how it starts. Blessed is the one. Translation of this word blessed is, is quite complex. You, some translations call it happy is the one, but it has way more connotations to it than that. It, content is the one. But, but in scripture, contentment and rightness are deeply connected and deeply welded actually to the presence of God. When you think about creation for a second, it says, you know, uh, each day and God saw that it was good and then he blessed them. So there's this sense of blessed are you, you have God with you and you're in right standing with him. There's a divine presence and his presence uh, uh, exists in that same space. A bit like Moses was seen as a very blessed man. And then what we see in the life of Moses is that we see that God's presence was always with him. You know, the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud. And so it's like this, what the psalmist is trying to get at is, this is what a blessed life reflects. And it does and it doesn't do certain things. And we see that in the text as we're reading it. He said, the psalmist kicks off with these two thoughts that lead to very different trajectories. One ends in a, in a diminishing life that ends up missing out and ultimately dying out. And the other seems to go on and seems to get bigger, more substantial, and even lasts through many seasons and lives actually beyond this life. There seems to be one that is marked with God's presence and the other isn't. One doesn't run with the majority, but the other does. One takes its advice, not from wavering public opinion, but from an ancient track record. One embraces the things of God and the other ultimately rejects God and ends up without him. Can you see that? When you read the text, you can see this progressional kind of movement. And it's really powerful imagery, both to challenge us and to encourage us. Two tracks or paths or ways, two destinations two types of life. I don't know about I, 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 you guys. I know, or I, I don't know many people who don't want to live a full and rich life, who wants to leave a good mark in this life. You know, recently I've done a couple of funerals, and uh, I guess that's part of pastoral ministry when you journey with people. And I've got to be honest, the reality of those moments do get us thinking. You know, we push these things to the sidelines of our life and our kind of psyche. We don't really want to think about those moments. But when you're doing them, you're suddenly faced with, you know, mortality and what's beyond. And what kind of a life do I really want to lead and live and even ultimately leave behind. Jesus said to his friends, I have come to give you life in all fullness. I have come to give you a blessed life. 
And so we find it in knowing him, admitting and giving him our sin and our mess and no longer living for ourselves, but living a life that's shaped by him, for him, and for others. And so if that's where you're at today, you have had a taste of what it means to have a blessed life. God's favor is on you. God's hand is on you. Not because we've somehow earned it, but because Jesus has given it to us. Because we recognize that Christ has come and made a way so that we can be blessed. And so in this scripture, what we see here is like there's like the, 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 so there's this progressional thing. There are some things we don't do. Don't walk in step with the wicked. Don't, you know, stand, as it says, don't walk in step with the wicked. Stand in the way of those that live according to the world and their own selfish ambition. And then we have this sit. This, so they've gone from walking to standing in agreement to ultimately sitting and seating themselves in agreement um, and not just with, um, with people, but with the ideologies that will ultimately would be self-centered or just evil and unrighteous. Can you see the progression? Uh, it's like moving alongside a group of people or some ideas and thoughts. Uh, other translations say this, blessed are those that don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. That's interesting, isn't it? That don't walk in the council. So really what he's saying here is blessed are those who do not take hold of everything that the world is saying. But their lives are going to be shaped with something else. And that's actually really difficult in our context, isn't it? You know, think about all of the voices, all of the pressure, all of the opinion, all of the social media, all of the stuff in the news, all of the, all of the plethora of ideas and thoughts with the people around us. What, is gonna, what are we going to take hold of? What is going to we allow to counsel us, to create thoughts, shape our values? difficult isn't it because such a slippery slope to just be alongside those things to allow certain things in and then we move from a walking to a standing and then eventually a seating in agreement it's very difficult sometimes to go against the majority um, some of you heard this daft story about Norman Norman got up one morning made his coffee put it in his flasky mug got in the car and went to work his wife gets up and she is uh, sat downstairs making breakfast listening to the radio and on the radio bbc2 it's like you know they do that news report it's sort of like traffic and i don't know lady comes on and says hey you know please be aware on the a96 or whatever there on that dual carriageway there's a there's a crazy person driving along the wrong side of the road she thinks my husband drives that way every, every, every day to work. So she grabs the mobile phone, phones her husband. Norman, Norman, please be careful. There's a crazy person driving the wrong way. Please be careful. She, his response shouting down the phone, it's not just one. There are hundreds of them. Blessed are you that go against the crowd. That's kind of where we're at here. Don't go with the crowd. Don't go with the majority necessarily. 
It starts with who are we going to listen to? What are we going to take on board? What are we going to allow in to set in us? And if this deep, elusive happiness, this blessedness and long-lasting contentment is a goal and part of God's plan, maybe God's blessing may look a little bit different to the world's view. And it's unlikely. We're not going to find it then in the advice of social media, the latest reel, what our mates sometimes are into, or that somehow success or material wealth and tons of sex will provide lasting happiness. Sure, those things, and they definitely do provide some. Because none of us would seek after them if it didn't provide some comfort or excitement, or make you feel alive, but for a while. But does it really deal the deepest nagging of our inner worlds? Jeremiah, you know, uh, who, who possibly um, wrote this psalm, um, some of his writings are very, very similar to this opening influence, uh, this opening um, uh, Psalm and, and and really he 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 says something in his uh, in his uh, writings he says that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. You see, there's a lot of external voices, there's a lot of external pressure, a lot of external counsel and advice, but actually there's an internal one as well that we can't always trust. You know, sometimes I can't trust my own inner voice and my own heart because it is broken at times. It's messed up. The human heart's default moves towards putting me at the center and not God. The default position is me and my ego, my ambition. What can I have? What can I get? And if we're brutally honest, that is true. And so Jeremiah is really correct. He said, yes, there's voices out there, but there's also voices in here that we can't trust. So actually, I can't always trust my own counsel. Now, if you've become a Christian and the Spirit of God is in your life, it, yes, it is different. But let's be really honest and let's have some reality here. There is an inner war at work in, in our lives, isn't there? And it is like this. We want to do the things of the Spirit. We want to obey what God says. We want to obey what's in the book. And yet there is another voice inside that often really kind of competes for our obedience. And that's our own flesh. My own heart, my own desires, the own selfishness that often raises its voice. Or is it just me? Or is it just you guys online? But thank goodness that this song isn't just about a way. It also points to a person that's made a way for us to be blessed and become a blessing. The blessed one who overcame all of the other voices, the external and the internal voices that seek to bring us down and to, to diminish our lives and ultimately take us to a place of destruction. It points to the blessed one who came and overcame all of the other voices. You know, when Jesus was baptized, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him 
And then he went out into the wilderness for 40 days. And there he fasted. And it was the place where God was fashioning him for his public unveiling. And it says in Luke chapter 4, and guys, have a look at this. That the wicked one, the evil one, came to him. And in his hunger, Satan tempted and mocked him. Counseled him, okay? First challenging him. If you say you are who you say you are, use the power that you have and turn these stones into bread. The wicked one was fanning into flame the natural desire for food and wanting to get Jesus to use the power that the Father had given him to be a blessing in the world, to alleviate his own hunger and to use that authority for himself, to bow to his own heart and to his own fleshly human desire. And how did Jesus combat these this onslaught, these thoughts, because it's going on in here. This moment of what kind of a life am I going to lead? And what's going to lead me? What's going to rule my heart and my body, my hunger, my body, my flesh? And he comes back with what? Scripture. And he, he counters, man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Something's going on there. He's silencing the voices by looking over his shoulder and digging out scripture and saying, hey, you, I am not, not going to turn these stones into, into bread to feed just my flesh. I am gonna do, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to do something different. I am not going to listen to the counsel of the wicked. I am a, I've got a different uh, way to walk. Can you see it? And then he overcomes it by what? By truth and by scripture. And then as you read through the temptations of Jesus, then it says, you know, by the way, uh, I'll take you. And, 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 and Satan takes him and, and he says, hey, I can give you all the kingdoms of this world. All the kingdoms of this world. That means all the people in the world. That was the goal. That was why Christ had come. And then he says to him, you know, hey, you can have all of this. You don't, have to, you don't have to go to the cross. I'll give it to you. You don't have to experience pain and suffering. I'll give it to you. If you just bow down. Just, just kneel. Can you see what's going on there? Counsel of the wicked. The temptation. Oh, I don't. I can, there's the goal. I can short, shortcut it and get there. Oh, this is how the enemy operates with us, is it not? And he comes back, doesn't he? Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the enemy twists the scriptures and tries to use them against him. And then he comes back, do not put the Lord to the test. And it says, and he left him for an opportune time. And then with that opportune time comes when he's in the garden of Gethsemane. Where fear and anxiety now and the fear of physical pain and loss come crashing into this universe. Seems like the enemy is screaming to him there. Hey, you don't have to do this. Save yourself. <laughs> the external and the internal battle that we see in the Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus is wrestling through. Lord, Father, take this from me. No, your will, not mine. 
I'm going to be on a different path. I'm going to trust him whose track record I know. So, can you see what's going on there? And what we see there is Jesus counters all of this and comes through it all. And as a result of that, the blessed one breaks the power of the counsel of the wicked so that you and me can now step into, in a sense, his shoes, his spirit, his power. And we now also can counter this. Does that make sense, folks? Because the wicked heart moves us towards some things that are of quick rewards and temple pleasures, but leave us, as we read here, hanging rootless and ultimately chaff. And chaff is an empty husk that's blown away. Wow. And that doesn't have a place in God's eternity. And I think that's fairly sobering, isn't it? But here's the thing. Blessed is the one that delights, that meditates, they will be planted. So I want to just talk, you know, there's this, this one root and then there's this blessed root that involves delighting, celebrating, enjoying God's word. And they feel the benefit of it. They don't just hear and forget. But they spend time in the book, in the law. And when this person who is writing the Psalms, when he says they delight in the law, he's not just talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the Pentateuch, really the five books um, uh, you know, of the Torah. And he's saying, delight in this, and if you do, this is what's going to happen. And this beautiful picture of this tree planted next to a river that seems to be fruitful in and out of season and a blessing. And if you read Ezekiel, it becomes a healing to the whole nations. It's an amazing picture. But it's rooted in not the counsel of the wicked, but now the counsel of God's word. Delights in this book. I was thinking about delight. It's that word delight. Delight's not duty, is it? When you really delight in something, you, you celebrate in it, don't you? You want to be in it when you delight. It's, you just enjoy it. And really he's saying, guys, there the word of the, of the Lord is life to us. So let's actually enjoy it like a great meal. Um, 2 Timothy, uh, well-known scripture says this. It says, uh, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. So it just putting that out there, when we're talking about a blessed life, it doesn't necessarily mean free from suffering. Okay? But it, it means that God will be with you in it. Okay, a blessed life. And then verse 13 says, While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving, uh, uh, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know these, those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So to live a blessed life is deeply connected to how we engage with the book and how we engage with God's truth. Um, I was thinking about my youngest daughter, some of you know her well, and um, I don't know when this happened, but she, at some, I don't know, at some point, she absolutely loved broccoli. Like, honestly, it sounds ridiculous, but she now, she's a late teen, and, 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 and quite often we'll walk into the house, I'm like, what are you cooking? She's like, oh, I'm having this this, and I'm roasting some broccoli, dad. She puts salt on it, and it's, I don't know if you've ever had it like this, and she roasts it, and it is amazing. As a child, I can't recall her being quite so enthusiastic about broccoli. You see, I think, blessed, you know, this, this, this delight in the scriptures is, I think most of us, or lots of us, have an attitude of, we know this is good for us, but would I say I delight in it? No, I know it's like really good medicine that counters all of the other opinions in the world. And I know I need it in my life. So the posture is a bit like cough medicine. And actually, probably if we're really honest, we're like... No? Or is it just me? Because delight and I know it's good for me are not very... They're very different. But the thing about Xanth, my youngest, is that somewhere along the line, something shifted. And I think often in life, and this is good for us, by the way, it definitely is. We can start with, I know it's good for me, but it can very quickly become a delight. A little bit of discipline can actually produce something that you really, really enjoy and get to the point where you're like, oh, this is fantastic. And I wouldn't do without it. In fact, I'm building my life around it. Wouldn't you agree? Doesn't that happen sometimes with friendships and relationships? For some of us, that happens with cooking. I know I, know I need it. <laughs> I don't really enjoy it. But if I make time for it, I suddenly have found myself going, I actually quite like this. And suddenly it becomes a love. Or... Playing an instrument. For those of us that are parents in the room, some of you, actually, some of us, when we were kids, our parents made us take up an instrument. They built it into our life routine. It was good for me. And then it became a love. Do you see where we're going here? When we're delighting in it, it's no longer a chore. And the duty. And I, want, I just want to say this. In my experience of the scriptures, um, do I always delight in them? When I open the Bible, does it like go, oh, <laughs> you know? And it's like light comes out, you know, and oh. <laughs> no, it doesn't always work like that. However, when I came to faith in Jesus, when I knelt before him and, and it was like he walked into the room, this is just my story, 
and I experienced the forgiveness and the grace, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit, but one of the things that, that, that happened to me literally off the back of that experience is this book came alive. I remember for about three weeks after that encounter with Jesus, I would sit in my bedroom till three o'clock in the morning sometimes, and I just couldn't put it down. This book that seemed to be hard to understand, seemed to be in a language that I would wrestle with and, and all that. Suddenly I'm like, oh, I know this person in this book, and he is for me, and he has a plan for me. And there's a whole load to know, not just about him, but now who I am and what God has put in me. I remember reading it and I was in Corinthians going, God, having this conversation. God, I don't understand what this weird language is all about, this tongues. <laughs> and I was just remember having a wrestle with it, going, I don't understand it, but I, if it's in the book, maybe I need it. Maybe it's good for me. And at three in the morning, I just started to pray and say, God, if it's in the book, if it is for us, it's going to help me. Would, would, you, would you give me this gift? And suddenly I found myself speaking in a language that I didn't really understand. And I was like, wow, this book came alive. I want to encourage us this morning. There is a dance to be had with the Bible. Because I know for that first three weeks of my faith journey, it literally felt like I was in a Kaylee with Jesus and the Bible. And there was times where I felt pushed and prodded. You know how that happens in a Kaylee? When people come up to you and go, come on, come and join the dance. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to. And then suddenly, you know, they've got you by the arm and you're being whirled around. I remember picking up the Bible and feeling like I was like, wow, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm alive. And then I couldn't help it because I went into school and I was like, guys, have you read this? This is incredible love story for all of us. He delights. This person delights in the scriptures. And as a result, look at the, look what happens. That person meditates on it. So just really briefly, they hang around it long enough for the truth to get roots into their lives. Because when we just glance and go away, then we forget. But when we meditate, let's just take a bit of time over it. Let's just receive what God's saying to us in those moments. Holy Spirit, would you root that truth into my core for this week, something will happen. Look at then, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. How amazing is that? You know, pastorally, over the 20 odd years of being around church leadership and people, can I, uh, this, is, this is my pastoral moment for us listening and here. Those that delight in scripture become stable in their faith. Those that are around it and take hold of it, regular and apply it, become rooted and not easily moved. 
not easily moved by crisis or when the, you know, when the job is like, you know, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a shadow being cast over my job or, or, or this illness. Do you know what? There, there's something solid and rooted, not easily swayed, not easily moved by because their counsel, first and foremost, is actually in God's word. Those that delight, often I've found, have discerned the direction of their lives. Some of us in the room today are like, I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what I'm for, I don't know what God's plan is. Can I just say to you, delight. Delight in this. He will speak to you. He is for you. He's got a plan. Let him unveil it. Give him time. Let me tell you, when God speaks to you about your life personally, wow, you're like, I am in and I am game. It's beautiful. And then when you step out and take a risk, you've heard, you think you've heard him and the people in your connect group are going, amen to that. Are you going to go for it? Are you going to do that? And when you do it and then God comes and answers that prayer or you suddenly find yourself in a situation where he is definitely with you, you're walking around going, oh, I'm, go I, I'm enjoying this now, Lord. I'm delighting in it. Okay. If you read Jeremiah 17, which is very similar to this, it says this, they will be, be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots into the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Oh, that's interesting. It doesn't fear. It's got roots. It's got life that go beyond the surface. So that when the sun comes out and tough times come, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a greenness to their lives. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. A people of the book are a people by a brook. That's cheesy, but it's true. Their fears are relieved. I want to land in this. You know, when the rest of the environment is in drought, Jeremiah and also here in the Psalms, we see a blessed life actually not just surviving, I want to call it aliving. You know what I mean? It's alive because there's a hidden source of life shaping and nourishing. And I think that's what God has for each and every one of us. He wants to shape us and he wants to nourish us. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Ask whatever you want. You see, we're in him. And so this tree has no business being this alive in a desert. Isn't that right? But it is. Because the blessed life is delighting in the book. And if we want to be alive in, then let's get delighting. And it seems like the more delighting we have and we're in, the more people notice. So they'll come to us. You have no business being so positive 
when things are looking this bleak. <laughs> you have no business loving that person who's been really horrible to you. <laughs> you have no business, you know, being so kind in an environment that is incredibly, you know, let's push the person down and step on them to get ahead. You're absolutely right. I have no business in that. But, but, I, but it's because there's another source in my life. And so what I want to land on this is taking it back to our connect groups and this whole that course that we're about to do. The more delighting in him, the more you can't keep him a secret. leaves in a drought, green when it's grey, life when all around is decaying. People want to come and say, what is different about you? And you can say, I have found someone and I delight in him. He knows me, he's prepared a place for me and life is very, very different. I'm going to land there. Blessed Blessed are you who delight. Is that all right? I, want, I really want to encourage us in this season. Let's pick up our Bibles and let's go on a journey, a fresh journey of learning and applying God's truth to our lives. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray. Let's minister to one another. And um, let me pray as the guys head off uh, online. God, we want to be rooted in you. We want to know you by your spirit and fully by your word. Would your word and spirit be at work in each and every one of us, growing us, healing us, helping us to share who you are in this broken world. Amen. Amen. Say cheerio to the guys online.